Welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. This is Karen Conley, and I am in studio with my husband and best friend, Chris Conley, who is the founder and lead pastor of High Point Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And we are so glad to have you listening with us today. If you missed our last two shows, we had the opportunity to introduce to you this idea of Love Works, which is a new initiative that we are making through High Point Church, really with the aim to develop difference makers in the city of Memphis. And really the first way that we are going to tackle this important initiative is through the idea and concept of mentoring. And so maybe, Chris, just to start us off today, that's a term that we hear a lot of times within the church and even outside of the church, but define for us, what are we talking about when we say mentoring? Mentoring is a word that a lot of people use in a different format. And so what we want to try to do is we want to kind of narrow the definition of what it means to mentor in a life-changing way, in a one-on-one kind of way. And so mentoring is one disciple of Christ helping another disciple of Christ love God love people, and make disciples. Now, what's important there is to understand what the word disciple means. The word disciple means that one is a learner and follower of Christ. So when you're mentoring one disciple of Christ in helping another disciple of Christ, what are they learning? They're learning how to love God, learning how to love people. So a disciple is someone who loves God and loves people. And when you are mentoring them, You're mentoring them to be able to reproduce themselves and to have people who are disciples, people who are learning to love God and love people and follow him in that way. It's really a relational experience primarily. When you talk about it being a relational experience, sometimes my perspective on that has been when someone says, you know, will you mentor someone? It seems overwhelming and it seems even sometimes, you know, helping someone to love God, love people and make disciples even seems a little bit churchy in and of itself. So what is it about the relational aspect that is so vital for people to understand? Well, information is obviously a part of any mentoring relationship, but we learn so much in life through our experiences. And so when we're looking for someone to mentor us, oftentimes what we have to do is what have they learned from life? What have they learned from their past experiences? What have they learned from their own journey with God? And so in that way, absolutely, we're going to have a foundation that's built upon the Bible. And we're going to have a foundation built upon very specific truths that are strategic in helping someone grow in their relationship with God. But what we want to make sure is we want to make this different than the classroom. And the way that we make it different in the classroom is We're teaching truths, but we're putting those truths in the context of our own life, and we're putting those truths in the context of certain seasons of life so that we can help someone understand how to apply that truth in their particular season. Here's another definition of mentoring. Mentoring is a relational experience through which one person empowers another by sharing God-given experiences and resources. So sometimes in the mentoring relationship, I'm not only sharing from my experience, but I'm also sharing from the experience of my friends. My friends are a resource. My family is a resource. There is an entire collection of resources that each person has that sometimes, guess what? I don't know the answer. You don't know the answer. 
But yet, because of our experiences and because of our circle of friends and because of our resources, we can find the answer out. And then we can help that person take their own journey. I'm someone who really loves word pictures, and you know how visual I am. And one of the word pictures that always comes to me in the mentoring relationship is this kind of coach and player. And I know that's something that also strikes a chord in you. Talk about the mentoring relationship in that dynamic. When you look at the relationship that exists between a coach and a player, it is so special. Because that coach has a place of experience and expertise. They've already been there and done that before. And so now they're coming alongside of this player who wants to try to achieve what the coach has already achieved. And the coach has the ability to then take all of that experience, all of that expertise, and to direct it toward this player to help the player fulfill their potential. And it's really built around four words. If we look at that coach-player relationship, it revolves around these four words, that the coach is investing in the player. And so in this context of mentoring and aspects of discipleship, that we are investing in the people of God. But not only are we investing in them, we're instructing them with the Word of God. So that's where information does come in. You know, we've talked about that information plus application equals transformation. Our curriculum for mentoring is the Bible. There are great books out there, and yes, I'd recommend even going through some books, but yet what we want to do more than anything is teach them how to read the Bible for themselves, apply it to their lives, and have this, what we call a priority time, that daily, unhurried, inspired time in the Word of God, to read the Word of God, to know the God of the Word. And so you're investing in the people of God. You're instructing them with the Word of God. And the third word is this. You have to involve them in the work of God, that you can only grow so much through a relationship and so much through information. You have to eventually do something. You have to put this stuff into practice. You have to go from practice as a player, right, in this coach-player relationship to actually game time. And you've got to be able to execute on the field or execute on the court. And so you've got to involve people. You've got to help them identify what their strengths are, what their skills are, and how God wired them and how God made them and how God wants to use them. And then when you do that, the fourth word is this, impact. The ultimate purpose is that we're trying to create difference makers here. So what we want to do is we want to impact the mission of God because that's what we were created for. That is our divine purpose is God has a mission. And the mission isn't just for us to be happy. The mission is for us to go and make disciples, learners and followers of God, teaching them to love God, love people. As we're just kind of building this foundation, we're really just trying to define and clarify, maybe even remove some of the fear and things that keep people from jumping in and saying, I want to become a mentor. I love the coach-player relationship and that whole image because I think we have a huge need everywhere, but specifically as we talk about the city of Memphis, for men to step up. And I think where it may be somewhat intimidating to go, can I be a mentor and am I spiritually strong enough and do I have all the qualifications, that can be a big daunting task. But can you 
see that a man can identify with that idea of being a coach, go, yeah, I can help another young man call him up and bring the best out of him. So I love that picture. Another kind of geared that I want to address before we really get into a lot of specifics is the terminology. Because if you've grown up in a church, you might have heard this very same thing called discipleship. You might have even gone to a discipleship training class. Tell us a little bit of why the emphasis on the word mentoring, and is that important in this conversation? I think it's very important because our terminology, if we're not careful, will actually influence our theology. We need to analyze our terminology and make sure that it's helping us really communicate well and know specifically what we're talking about. Oftentimes, people will say, have you been discipled or are you discipling someone? The word has been used in such a broad way that it's really lost a specific meaning. You know, it's just so generic. We apply the word to almost everything. But I even think biblically speaking, when we go back and we think, okay, we are supposed to go make disciples. Well, me individually, I cannot comprehensively make a disciple that is well-rounded in everything. I need the help of the body of Christ because if I just in a one-on-one way, if I say I'm going to disciple you, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to reproduce my strengths in a good way, but I probably will also reproduce some of my weaknesses in a bad way. But if I include the entire body of Christ, then this is so important. It is okay for me as an individual to have weaknesses. I mean, that's just the norm. But it's not okay for the body of Christ to have weaknesses. And so if I include the entire body of Christ, then someone else can come alongside and mentor you. So in our marriage, you are great in the financial world. Me, not so much, right? (laughs) This is true. So if someone were to come and say, Chris, I would like for you to disciple me or mentor me in the Dave Ramsey principles and financial peace, I would say I could learn about that, but that's just not my strength. It's never been my strength. But there are other people in the body of Christ. That's the way they're wired. That's their strength. My wife is excellent at that. She and other people would be much better at mentoring you in that than me. So that's why we try to make a distinction between the word discipleship and the word mentoring, because I believe discipleship was given to the totality of the church. Jesus was the only one that basically had everything within himself in order to disciple someone and reproduce the fruits of the Spirit in their fullness in every capacity. But he has now given us the whole body of Christ to be a part of the discipleship process. Tell me if you would agree with this, Chris. I really see discipleship as kind of being the big umbrella. It is the comprehensive term that is the sanctification process. And the Lord will use individual people in that, but it's not just one person. Whereas mentoring would be one of the tools, one of the ways that God carries us through this life. And we are sanctified through that mentoring. And I know for me, in the discipleship world, when someone came to 
me and wanted me to mentor them. For the longest time, I thought, I don't think I have all the answers. I don't know enough scripture. I have my own weaknesses and things that I still struggle with. And it was when it was clarified to me, no, your job is to pour into someone else what the Lord has poured into you, that there was this huge freedom. And I thought, I can do that. I can do that. I don't have all the answers. There's someone else that's going to be able to help other areas more than I can help every person. But I can be a Christian that makes disciples because I'm willing to pour into them what's been poured into me. When you said that you believe discipleship's kind of the umbrella, I agree with that holistically. And mentoring falls under that umbrella. So when we think about discipleship, we actually are not decreasing or minimizing the word. We're actually increasing it. We're saying the word is so strong and so important that we believe discipleship is the mission of the church. It's the mission and the ministry of the church. And because it is so vitally important, it requires all of us to play our role as members of the body of Christ to accomplish that mission. Now, mentoring should be one of the primary foundational ministries of discipleship. You see the difference? Absolutely. Mentoring in this way, I think, now this is not true in most of our churches. It's not even true in our church. I would like it to be true in our church as part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing. But mentoring should be the primary relational and educational ministry of discipleship. And so that's where we kind of have to get into this whole difference between programs and people and how that works and classes and groups and one-on-one. Well, it can feel somewhat contradictory uh, if you're in your local church and we keep talking about one-on-one and yet churches continually come up with programs. So how do those two things work together? Because as an organization, you're trying to mobilize people to do the work that Christ has called us to. So how do those two work together? We sometimes make the mistake of thinking that disciples can be mass-produced. And if they can be mass-produced, then we look toward a program to do that. We look toward a system or even a machine to kind of, can we create a machine to mass-produce disciples? Well, disciples have never been mass-produced. They've always been handmade. They've always been crafted in a very relational way. And when we go back to the ministry of Jesus, he could have chosen any method to try to win the world. And he chose the method of bringing 12 men close to him in a mentoring relationship in order to make disciples as a primary method. Mentoring is a primary method of that, to create the church so that the church could come alongside and play that role. So let's think of it this way. Programs don't mentor people. Programs provide opportunity for friendships so that one friend can mentor another friend. So programs just simply take you out of the crowd and they begin to put you into a group or they begin to put you into a circle and they create an opportunity for friendships to happen so that then you can find someone that you respect enough and you admire enough and you can say, I'd like to have those qualities in my life. 
And then maybe you could approach that person and say, would you mentor me in these areas? And I would really encourage anyone that's listening to this. Our primary objective here is to equip men and women to be mentors through this Love Works initiative. And you even referred to, even in our own church, this is something we highly value and want to see happen more and more often. But I can just imagine specific faces and people over the years that have come to me and so want somebody to mentor them and maybe are even frustrated with the fact that, well, I haven't had anyone ever do that in my life, yet their tendency could be to hold back to remain a part of the crowd, to not move into those smaller settings. And I would just encourage anyone that if you are praying for and desiring for someone to come along and mentor you, you continue to make yourself available and get into those smaller situations because that's usually where those relationships will come about and you will be introduced to someone and you'll be able to see someone closer up than sitting in the pew next to you to be able to see how the Lord may go ahead and direct that. In that regard, the first step to a mentoring relationship most of the time is to get into a class or a small group. That's the first step because it takes you from the crowd into a circle. And listen, these dating services and stuff, that works for some people. But otherwise, this is the equivalent of Match.com. You know, it's just trying to look at a profile and match this person with that person But yet you need kind of that chemistry of having been in a group together, watch that person, see the way they live their life to see if you want that person to invest in you or to see someone else in that group that maybe you're a little bit further along and you could invest in them. And so in this way, the classroom will never replace the need for mentoring. But the classroom is often the first step to finding the person that could mentor you or that you need to mentor. See, Christianity isn't informational primarily. It's relational. That when God chose to communicate himself to the world, he put the truth of God into the very life of his son, incarnational. He chose to communicate his truth through a person. And that's so vital. So Christianity is more than a belief system. It is a love relationship with God and people. And so that's why in this process, we have to go back and say, whoa, wait a second. Programs do not change people. People change people. But the programs are often the first step to get the people connected to one another. You made the comment earlier that Jesus was the only person that has ever walked this earth that could truly disciple in a complete way, that in his perfection, he would have the well-roundedness that we lack. But there are so many examples in scripture of this mentoring relationship, even outside of Jesus and his 12 disciples. And so give people that picture so that they understand that what we're calling this city to do is really going back to following what Jesus called us to do. The biblical pictures of mentoring relationships are so strong. In many ways, we have to even go back and go, okay, let me try to think about what it was like in that day and time. They didn't have universities, all right? The primary method of education was mentoring. And it was this relationship of one generation transferring their knowledge, their experience, their relationships 
to the next generation. And perhaps one of the best examples of that in all of the Bible is the relationship that exists between Moses and Joshua. Moses is, I would say, my favorite biblical character. One of my top five is Joshua. And it's because of the relationship that existed between those two that Joshua was by Moses' side all the time. And so part of the mentoring relationship there is just simply being with someone and just watching and observing how they live their life. And then in this particular situation, how Moses led. And then to see Moses' relationship with God, Joshua had a front row seat to watch how Moses walked with God. In that way, we see these incredible biblical pictures. Not only did Moses mentor Joshua, but Moses also mentored Caleb. And the unique connection between Joshua and Caleb is this. When God did not allow Moses to go into the promised land, but what he did is two people that Moses had mentored, he sent them to conquer the promised land. It is said of Joshua and Caleb that they followed the Lord fully. They followed the Lord fully. That is the ultimate complement of a mentoring relationship. That is the end goal. I mean, that is the biggest touchdown on the scoreboard ever, that the people that were under Moses, because they were in this mentoring relationship, they followed the Lord fully. Now, here's one of the things I learned from that. There really isn't true success in life without a successor. What if Moses had never mentored Joshua and Caleb? Where would the story have ended? There is not true success without a successor. And the other thing I love, and I know that, gosh, there are so many other examples that we will not get to, but since you picked that one, the other thing that I love about that that just, I think, resonates with every single one of us, Moses didn't always do it right. He made major errors in his judgment at different points, and yet God still used him. Yet Joshua was able to watch that. And so to me, sometimes I think when we talk about the Bible, it seems so far removed. And we get this idea that the disciples were perfect and Moses was perfect. And yet if you read the Bible, you know that is not true at all. The reason he couldn't go in the promised land was because of the way that he had sinned against God and disobeyed God. It was a consequence. And yet God still used him in Joshua and Caleb's life. And so for us, as we're trying to mobilize people, And we will, in our next edition, really talk through some of the stumbling blocks, some of the really practical things that might keep somebody from thinking that they would be able to be a mentor. But this, to me, is so important for people to remember that the very people that were the founders of our faith, Moses, for example, as we're talking about here, they sinned, they failed, they struck the rock, they didn't do what they were supposed to. And God still brought much fruit from their lives. You know, at High Point, we say High Point Church is a perfect place for imperfect people. Every mentor in the Bible was imperfect. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We learn from our mistakes. We learn from our sins. But we choose to fail forward. And what I mean by failing forward is that you're going to fail. I mean, we are sinful people living in a sinful world. There's going to be times we fail. But the way that we fail forward 
is we choose not to fail the same way twice. And so when we fail, we learn from our failures and then we get up and we walk forward. So in that regard, one of the most important things about mentoring is that the people whom you mentor, they need to almost learn more from our weaknesses than our strengths. If you are a mentor who knows it all, eventually your mentee won't want to be mentored by you. It is so important for them to see that you are real, that you're walking out your faith in real time, that you respond to the Lord's discipline and you have humility in it. So I am so excited. I know we've just scratched the surface and we are out of time for today. I hope you'll follow along with us in our next edition. We're going to get into some really practical ideas about this topic of mentoring, but that will do it for this edition of Love Works. For more information, please check out highpointmemphis.com or you can follow either one of our blogs at chrisconley.net or karen with an i conley.com and remember this it is as simple as love god plus love people equals love works